episode of Small Doses Podcast. You know I've got the pink suit on, so what does that mean? We got a politician in the building. That's right. When I get into my In Amanda We Trust uniform, I'm about to do something. Now, I did forget to put on my In Amanda We Trust button, and you know the perfectionist in me is greatly annoyed about that. But nonetheless, here we are. Today, we're going to be joined by candidate for Senate Barbara Lee, who is a current congresswoman in California and is basically a very different kind of gal in that position. You know, I do these intros after I do the interview because I want to give y'all some insight into what you about to get into. And I'm not bullshitting when I say that it surprised all of us. Did it not surprise all of us? They're shaking their heads. They're not being vocal, but they're shaking their heads. Well, they're nodding their heads. It did. It did. It surprised all of us because... To the point where I was like, sis, I don't know if you should be in there with them folks. You know, I don't know if you should be in there with them folks. But she had a response and you're going to have to check out the interview to listen to it. I am very tenuous about having people in the political space on this podcast because I don't endorse people. I don't endorse people because I don't even like this government enough to tell y'all like, This is who you should vote for. This is who you should not vote for. What I do like is people knowing their options, right? And my whole focus with In Amanda We Trust, the documentary, was to get people curious about government and the system to get involved. And since then, now with our political forums in Amanda We Trust Live, it's really to get folks thinking not simply about the now, but about the next steps, because so many folks are disenchanted with the now, and especially since October 7th, have really had their minds blown with the levels of corruption and disruption and dysfunction Corruption, disruption, dysfunction going on in this government of ours in America. And it's like one of those things where like you knew it in your gut, but now you know it in your facts. And when it's in your face like that, you can no longer pretend and act like you are just like moving around in blissful ignorance. Anybody who is still saying things like, I don't got to worry about the government because I'm not into it. Baby, the government is worried about you. Okay. So even if you're one of these people who's like, I'm not going to vote. Well, what are you doing then in addition? Okay. If you're not going to vote, what exactly are you doing? Now, I want to give y'all as much information as I can through my platforms. And I'm working on something new. And I'm in these cities with In Amanda We Trust Live and doing stand up. So make sure you get your tickets at amandaseals.com. And today, having Congresswoman Barbara Lee on the show is a part of that initiative. It really is not an endorsement. I cannot say that enough. I'm just trying to give a space for people to either endorse or play themselves. (laughs) Because Marianne Williamson came on here and played her whole self while she tried to play in our face. Do you remember that? Go and watch that episode. Anywho, what you're going to witness is an interview. And you know, I'm 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 a real one. So I think I did a good job of keeping it a buck and still keeping it respectful. And I really appreciate the candor that she had with us. So stick around. And before we get into that, let's do a jam drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We dropping on these hoes. <sighs> All right, today's jam dropping. The difference between politicians and public servants. <laughs> so 
the word politician has really like become just something that people say for people who are in like government positions, right? And I think like the etymology of the word politician has something to do with like someone who uses policy to create opportunity and legislation for the people of their governance. So like technically it does mean something similar to public servant. However, what we've come to realize is that Politicians are showing up in a very particular way that does not represent the values of a public servant. When I think of public servant, what I'm thinking of is somebody who is a public-facing person that has been elected by the public to serve on their behalf in positions of government. However, when I see politicians, I see people who have been elected by the public to serve in positions of government to represent the public who are actually representing themselves. And it frustrates me when I see people in these positions speaking so dishonestly about the realities of this country. And then us, the people, will excuse it by saying, well, they're a politician. They have to do that. What that does, in my opinion, is it perpetuates the problem. And the problem to me is the chasm between people in government and the people they're supposed to be serving in government. And as long as we continue to uphold this idea that politicians have to behave in a duplicitous way in order for them to successfully be public servants, it continues to separate them actually being public servants. Whatever happened to actually being the person that people elected you for? Because I don't know if y'all noticed, but these people keep getting into office and going from public servant to politician. And it'd be real quick, like, ooh, snap my neck. And you're like, oh my God, I snapped my neck. I need Obamacare. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I know I ran on that policy as a public servant, but now I'm in here and the lobbyist said no. So I don't want politicians. I want public servants. I got a chance with Congresswoman Barbara Lee to get her opinion on this and also to ask questions like, do you believe in term limits? I personally believe that the role of government should have a term limit. It's something that you're supposed to be doing as a public servant. It's the similar role that you're supposed to be doing if you're involved in jury duty. It's basically supposed to be an assignment, right? Like something that you are kind of like donating to your community in terms of your time, your efforts, your et cetera, and then coming back to the community. And that is what's supposed to hold you accountable, right? right. Is the fact that you're going to have to go back to the community that you served in public servitude to. So that's going to keep you accountable because you're going to have to go back to them. Well, baby, if you're a career politician, then you're always just on the hill. And even if you come back and do your little forms or everything, you could be like that lady Blackburn in Tennessee. Marsha Blackburn has had one public forum in like two years. She don't have to talk to nobody, but she gets to continue to be a career politician and be in that position. Now, back in the day, the only reason George Washington ended up being president, they begged him. He was like, I don't want to. I have slaves to fuck and teeth to steal. Leave me alone. <laughs> Y'all can laugh out loud. It's fine. <laughs> but nonetheless, he was like, let me put this wig on and get out there. Okay. okay. And so... He went into the position knowing that he was going to come out of the position of president. And I don't know about y'all, but that to me is what I would prefer to see. People who do not feel like they are going to be there forever. People who are not going to be 
able to wield the lobbyist money and corporate money to stay in position to tell you about how you're supposed to live your life, especially when they no longer even have to face how you're living your life. That's the whole thing. Public servants are in the bubble with you. Politicians are looking at your bubble and maybe, perhaps, they'll give a damn about you. Let's get into this interview with a senator to be, possibly, perhaps, but current Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Small Doses Podcast. Y'all know that I am very picky about the people in politics that I bring up on this space, okay? Especially to the House. But I am very, very happy to have Congresswoman Barbara Lee with us today. Hello. So happy to be here. <laughs> now, I'm going to— It's a to, happy house. It's a happy house. Look, <laughs> See? Jordy? Jordy, please, please. Jordy, please. you're making oh it happen. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> come on. Come on. So your team reached out and was like, you know, we would love to have Congresswoman Lee on the show— and I will tell you that I'm very tenuous about having politicians or people in the political space on this show because I don't endorse anybody. Like, as a rule, y'all know I don't endorse anybody. I mean, they still on my head for telling people not to vote for Trump because they're like, you are endorsing Biden and he's genocide Joe. I'm like, oh, fall back, fall back. I was just saying, let's not put this fool back in office. That's what I was saying. But one thing that for me made it like a no question scenario was the fact that you were the only person that challenged the Iraq war. And I think for a lot of folks, that really does separate you because it's already enough to be a black woman in this space. It's another thing to stand on business, as the children say. And as we are here in a new time of a new level of civil and political unrest in that area of the world, people are really looking for leadership and not feeling like they're getting it from the people who have power. Now, I know that you are running for Senate and in California— where I live, we currently have a Black woman that is filling the position that Feinstein, rest in peace, left open. But I want to hear just on a basic level why you feel like this is the next step for you career-wise. Well, first, Amanda, you're a trusted messenger, so I thank you very much for giving me a chance to be with you. Why do you consider me a trusted messenger? Because people listen to you and your voice and and believe you, not politicians. So let me tell you, (laughs) please, no. And it's important because black women, first of all, since 1789, when the first Senate went into session, there have been three African-American women serving as a United States senator, a total of 10 years. California has a chance to elect someone who has had the lived experiences, who represents Californians, Mm -hmm. and who can be a voice that is not represented and won't be represented in the Senate. It is important that an elected official understand the daily lives of people. Here in California, for example, 40 million people living one paycheck away from poverty. Mm-hmm. I was on public assistance, food stamps, Medi-Cal, raised two single little boys as a single mother, had to take them to class because I couldn't afford childcare. Right. You know, I've worked as a community worker with the Black Panther Party, so I know what activism means. I was a target of COINTELPRO. I know how the FBI came and tried to destroy the Black Panther Party. So it's lived experiences that 
none of the other candidates have had who are running for the United States Senate. And so I want to be that voice, that lens, that perspective that's badly needed in the United States Senate so I can be the voice of people in California to make life better for everybody. Do you really feel like this government can make life better for everybody? I absolutely do. Okay, let me tell you, we have to fight. First of all, we have to protect our voting rights because now we see there's an attempt to turn back our voting rights, Mm -hmm. our democracy, our reproductive freedom, LGBTQ plus rights. There's an attempt to turn back every right we fought for. And so this ain't going to be easy, and it's not easy. But I uh, remember as a Black Student Union president at Mills College, I was not involved in politics at all. I was, again, Black Student Union president, community worker with the Black Panther Party, so this raising is two kids. This is 70s. 70s, well, okay. 70s, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I invited Shirley Chisholm then, who was running Flex. for president. She was the first black woman elected to Congress. Unbossed and unbossed. That's right. And a catalyst for change. You know, that's the inspiration for my poster for my uh, my documentary is Miss Chisholm. Okay. And there's All a right. film coming out called Shirley. Yep. March 22nd. Mm-hmm. There's a Barbara Lee character played by Christina Jackson, who's uh, phenomenal. Okay. And so okay. I went on the set and it was like me meeting me. It was trippy? Yeah. It was, a, <laughs> it was deep. No so anyway, so Shirley Chisholm took me to task because when she came, I told her I was not involved in politics because it didn't relate to my daily life and young okay. black women like me. And she said, no. She said, first of all, and when she spoke, she spoke fluent Spanish also. She talked about immigrant rights. She was on the board of then NARAL, now Reproductive Freedom for All, which has endorsed me in the Senate race. And she talked about education, racism, sexism, the whole nine yards, lifting people out of poverty. So I went up and talked to her and told her I had this class I was going to flunk because I had field work to do. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't work for any of those white guys who didn't reflect the issues that I cared about. Mm -hmm. And she took me to task. And she said, look, she said, you have got to uh, register to vote, first of all. I said, no, for what? It's not going to matter. And she said, and I mean, I had two kids. I mean, she still called me little girl until she passed away. Okay. (laughs) You know, I was a returning student. That's how you know that she was West Indian. Like, it don't matter how much life you live. Little girl. Little girl. That's right. And she said, no, you have got to come help me in my presidential campaign. And she said, you know that this country's laws weren't made for you or me. And she said, you have got to get in there and shake things up. She said, you cannot go along to get along. And politics is a way to do that. Bottom line is, I told her, okay, I'm about to flunk this class because I'm not involved in anyone's campaign, but then maybe I'll think about getting involved in your campaign. So I said, how do I do that? She said, I don't have a lot of money. My local volunteers are organizing it. That's for you to figure out, but I really want you involved in my campaign. So I went back to my class, told my professor, and she said the same thing. That's up to you. You've got to figure that out. That's part of this course. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is I ended up organizing the Northern California Shirley Chisholm presidential primary out of my class at Mills College. I got an A in the class. You went from flunking to getting an A in the class. And went to Miami as a Shirley Chisholm delegate. And the rest is history. So I share that story because so much of what she was about and what African-American women and men are about is trying to make this country live up to its creed of liberty and justice for all. And again... 
We've come a long way, but we have got a long way to go. And I see the clock turning back now. Are we going to just let that happen? Our voices are important. Our fights are important. And I'll give you one example. My dad was in the military. Mm -hmm. He wanted to buy a house in San Leandro, California. And San Leandro in Northern California, it was very racist. Black people had to drive around because they burned crosses in uh, okay. San Leandro, okay? So my mother told my dad, yeah, you're black. You're not going to be able to buy a house. He said, watch me. And he put his uniform on, went out to San Leandro. <sighs> they ran him out of town. But why now, your daddy wanted but, a house in a town where they burning crosses? Well, he wanted, he, it was a nice town. It was a place where he thought as a military man, he was a patriot. He had fought in wars for this country. He believed in freedom and all that. He, so he thought he could buy a house there. Now, why do we do this though? Why did he be wanted like? Because he thought he was equal <laughs> as a military, right? Fair, fair, Opposite. fair. And my right. mother told him, "Okay, you see, they ran you out." But bottom line is, I represent San Leandro. <laughs> okay, so I share that little story because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. But we have to make it bend. This is the United States of America, founded on uh, founded on what genocide? Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. the Native I'm American like, people. I was like, what you about to I say? No, I'm genocide, slavery, being enslaved, two hundred fifty plus years. Chinese, you know, listen you to you know, talk. All I'm of listening that, to you Amanda, talk. So I'm, I'm just saying, talk, we got to have my a elder, I have to say this to you. And I didn't think I was going to say this, but it's come to me and I just got to speak it. I think that, and I, I want you to know, as I say this, I am younger than you. So I'm coming from something that's speaking to me and I'm just going to say it no, to you so you it. hear it or not. I think your time, as everything you just told me as your story, does not speak to me as somebody who should be going back in. I think you have more tools than anybody to be on the outside doing the work because at this point it feels like the inside is so corrupt that it is unable to be uncorruptible if you are inside. Well, let me tell, give you a story about being on the inside. As, as Is this a story you told somewhere else? Yeah. Give me a new story. No, I want to tell you this story because it's an important story about black people. I worked with George Bush, who I disagreed with. I got him to support my efforts to deal with the global HIV-AIDS pandemic. To this okay. day, I've been able to save 25 million lives, and that's a fact. That's important. I did that from the inside. I'm saying, do you okay. think you could do that now? I'm going to try. Okay. I'm going to try. I'm about fighting for what's right and fighting to, you know, make it happen. But also with me, I work with community organizations. Yes, of course. Nonprofits. I have alliances yes. with organizations. I'm an activist also. You have to have that inside-outside connection and strategy. Absolutely. Because ain't nothing go work if I'm on the inside and not working with the outside. You need a voice on the inside, like with Reverend Barber, Bishop Barber, for example. I support the Poor People's Campaign, and I carry their legislation on the inside. And I'm with them on the outside at their rallies, talking to people, taking their ideas and visions in and what they need is a low, former low-income person on public. I know that. I understand it. So, yeah, you have to have inside and outside. And speaking to you as a younger person, I understand what you're saying. But I also understand that we have to have people on the inside and outside. But one unique part about myself is, and black women, we mm -hmm. work on the inside and outside together. How do you feel like the 
I guess not the aura, but like the energy of the country is different than when you first came into the political field, if at all. The energy is different in the sense that there's more activism on the outside, Hmm. much more. I mean, some of the squad members who I love dearly and have worked with and Mm -hmm. work with call me the OG, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) I mean, I was out there fighting for reproductive freedom before anybody. Right. (laughs) You know, I was out there fighting against three strikes, the only one. Yeah. You know, I was out there way before. I was the only one. Now we have more activists on the inside, Mm -hmm. and we have more people on the outside who are pushing the envelope, especially our Gen Z. And in my campaign, Gen Z for Change has endorsed me because they know I'm on the inside carrying that agenda. So that's the difference. I mean, I don't feel like I'm by myself now. I feel like the power of the people, which as a community worker with the Black Panther Party, I'm beginning to feel that on the outside and inside. Do you think that the idea of the career politician is... A problem, or do you feel like it is a path for folks? Because I feel like a lot of people are concerned about this concept of people who sign up to be career politicians because it seems like it's inevitable that they at some point are not going to be able to be in that position without being corrupted by corporate greed, by lobbyists, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you feel about the actual role of the career politician? Yeah, a lot of people ask me about term limits, and let me tell you, People should be able to elect who they want, and they should hold their elected officials accountable. So I I believe in term limits for the Supreme Court and appointed officials, Mm -hmm. but not for elected officials, because Mm -hmm. you would not want, if you want to look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, I mean, as much as as, uh, (laughs) she is so uh, out of the box in terms of. This that country. was the most generous yeah, description. Yeah, she's totally outside of everything, of everything. But if her constituents want to elect her, then who am I to say? So I believe that democracy should work. And if people think and know that their elected officials have become corrupt and there is corporate greed, there dark money in politics. I mean, I'm dealing with that right now. My opponents can raise billions more than a Barbara Lee can. We have to get to public finance in a campaign. So it's up to people to vote their elected officials out or in and hold them accountable. And if you know that they're bought and sold by the gun lobby, for example, get rid of them. Vote them out of office. And the two people that are running for Senate are Adam Schiff and uh, Katie Porter, yeah? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And And then Garvey. Oh, I didn't Mr. Garvey. Okay. So you got three folks up against you. Basic question, and then we'll go to the questions from the people, but— What sets you apart from them aside from all the other things you named? Is there anything else you feel like that sets you apart from these folks other than that they're all white people? One thing that sets me apart from them is I don't have an establishment point of view on foreign policy. Secondly— That was so—I know what you said. Did y'all hear what she said? Did you read between the lines? Did you hear what she said? Because there were lines there. I hope you could read. All right. Yeah. Carry on. And I have experience. My two opponents don't have the deep— and broad experience in foreign policy that Barbara Lee has. And they don't connect it to domestic policy here at home. So what distinguishes me is, yeah, I voted against that authorization to use force right after 9-11. And I'm calling for a ceasefire, a permanent ceasefire now, because you can't tell me, and I know the region very well, you can't tell me that Israel's security is secured by killing 25,000-plus civilians in Gaza. And I believe in the security 
of Israel and condemn the Hamas attacks. My opponents have not called for a permanent ceasefire, but I'm going to tell you, the pathway to peace and security for the Israelis and the Palestinians can only be through a diplomatic and political settlement, and it's got to include the regions in the world. So one reason and one thing that separates me apart is my my perspective on foreign policy, because I know, as I said after 9-11, that it could spiral out of control, and what happened? Forever wars, thousands of our brave men, men and women. Yeah. And what happened? There's no military solution in Afghanistan. There will never be security for the Israelis or peace unless we get to a diplomatic and political solution. And it is escalating out of control now. It's spiraling out of control. So what distinguishes me is I'm going to tell the truth about what I see and what I know. And hopefully people will know that uh, I'm a truth teller. Do you condemn Israel's attacks prior to October 7th? Because this didn't happen in a silo. Look, I understand. Listen, let me tell you, I've been to the region. I, I've condemned the settlement expansion, settlement mm-hmm. violence. I chaired the committee when we were in the majority that provided for uh, humanitarian assistance, economic assistance to the Palestinian Authority. I've been to Gaza. And I understand what's taking place there in the Middle East. And so I've been on this for years and years and years so by do myself. You or not. Do I? Do you condemn Israel's attacks tax. on Palestine? The, Israel is, is occupying Palestine look, as an right, apartheid entity. Listen, I condemn what is taking place, and I have said that over and over again. You well, don't kill. You don't kill twenty five thousand well, plus civilians, and so making, I condemn the that. The distinction I'm making is that yes, that is one pocketed amount of time, but this has been going on for 75 years. And the frustration so many of us have with our uh, folks that are in the political sphere is that this is being discussed within this very small framework as if this hasn't been going on and as if there haven't been attempts made before, you know, to try and get to a two-state solution, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a frustration that people feel with the ahistorical addressing. Yeah. And I have not seen a movement until now. Yeah. Okay, but we in know the why. streets. Yeah, but I have not seen voices of people. Look, my votes, you can check my voting record. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I'm the only one voting against some of the resolutions that come forward because they're just out of balance, first of all. Right. And I vote no, but I don't look around and find people supporting me when I vote right. no. And so it's important, and I share this because it's important that people galvanize like they're doing now and speak out about any place in the world, any region of the world, including the Middle East. You are a politician. I am. And I'm a public servant. The way y'all talk, boy. But it's true. <laughs> I'm telling Okay, Amanda, check my record. No, check my record. It's not about record. checking your record. Sometimes we just want you to talk to us, not around us. And but I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. to you, and I'm like, do you acknowledge this? And you're telling me about what your what record I've been shows. been doing, yeah. And I think that sometimes we... In a world now that is so much just like words, not just actions, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what social media essentially mm-hmm. is. There has to be a marriage of the two. Like it has to be like, I did this and this is why I did it. And that is what mm-hmm. makes people more endeared, yeah. you yeah. know? So that's why I asked you like straight up because we're seeing people say things in very circuitous fashion, knowing knowing that we have a nation that does not educate people to be able to understand mm-hmm. that type of language. Yeah. Well, I did this and I, again, you have to check as an elected official, my record, my voting record, and you have to check what I have done and what I intend to so do. So tell us. And so not I have check. written, okay, okay, I'm going to give you one example. Okay. I support a two-state solution. Mm-hmm. I'm on record. A lot of people don't. But when Why I chair, they? they don't because 
the lines that have been, again, this is going back to my record, the lines that have been drawn through settlement expansion have destroyed the lines that would make for a contiguous state for the Palestinian people, Mm -hmm. okay? I have constantly spoken out and opposed that. I have constantly spoken out and opposed the settler violence. I've been to UNRWA. I was the elected official. You know what the nuance here is, though, right? It's not just that it's settler violence. It's government violence. It's government violence. But the government— Supporting the settlers. Okay, just recently, as an example— The Biden administration was about to send weapons to (laughs) the settlers. I caught it. I wrote a letter, matter Mm -hmm. of public record, Mm -hmm. saying, don't do that. It's wrong. And they pulled back. So I'm just saying, uh, that's not nuance. (laughs) That's That's, doing the work. (laughs) Yes, it is. Why do you think you you were heard when you wrote that letter? I was heard because I'm elected. I'm on the Appropriations Committee. Mm -hmm. And I know what to do. I know the process. And I know, and they know that I know, and they know that that was wrong, and they were trying to get around the committee that I'm the ranking member of. So I caught them, Mm. and I keep doing that over and over and over. And now that's not hitting the press, so I'm glad I'm able to share it with you. But just know when I say do the work, and I'm not nuancing this, I'm just telling you what I've been doing, and I understand the frustration, and I understand the anger. Mm-hmm. And I understand all of this because I've been in this longer than most people. And How the, do you manage? You know? If you've been in this so long, that sounds so exhausting. No. How do you? No? No. I'm a black woman. <laughs> hey, in the black church, what? I ain't no way tired. Come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road was going to be easy. <laughs> I didn't come this far for him to leave me. I'm just telling you. Okay. So, no, I'm not exhausted. All right. Nobody would judge you if you were exhausted. Nobody's going to be like, see, we got to get out of there. She's tired. Nobody would, just so you know. (laughs) I think that was a genuine question because I'd be waking up like, ooh, child, and I'm not even in. But that's what experience, though, really. You know, when you have had so many challenges and you want to make life better for everybody, so you wake up ready to do battle. Right. Right. That's what you do. That's why I had to leave New York because I was waking up doing battle, y'all. Every day I was like, ooh, let's 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 face the people in the streets. Well, yeah. Speaking of facing the people, I put it out to y'all. I said, send me your questions for Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And you know what? Y'all did not disappoint. So let's get into it. Okay. All right. Will you... They they came out the gate. Mm -hmm. All right. Will you be endorsing Joe Biden for 2024 president? And what has the Biden administration done to improve the conditions in this country for the 99 percenters? The answer is yes. Okay. The second answer is... I wanted to remind you, again, going back to when the Biden-Harris administration took over, Black people were dying of COVID. Yeah. Daily, thousands. He got that under control quickly. And I was able to work with the Biden-Harris administration to target resources into our communities to save lives and to hire people from the community as trusted messengers because nobody was believing the vaccines would work. Nobody was believing anything about COVID, and yet our people were dying. So for that reason, <laughs> if that's the only reason, some people are still alive. Many people are alive because mm-hmm. of the Biden administration. And I was able to do that with them. Secondly, when you look at the American Rescue Plan, 
how we were able to uh, help save a lot of businesses, eviction moratoriums, which hopefully we can get to again. Yeah. How we extended unemployment compensation for people. It doubled. How so many of the mortgage banks had to hold up on their mm-hmm. demands. You know, they did a lot to help people just survive through that period, which was very, very hard. Next, uh, when you look at the legislation that was passed, the infrastructure bill, for example, the jobs that are being created, millions of jobs. But in each of those bills, again, this is, you know, Washington talk, but there are not provisions, but requirements for equity. Like you've got to do business with black and women-owned and minority-owned businesses if you're going to get this contract. In the Inflation Reduction Act, first time in climate justice is a big issue for me. There have been major climate provisions for vulnerable, frontline, low-income communities in that. And also, when you look at health care, a lot more people are getting health care now because of the Biden-Harris administration in terms of sealing cost of prescription right. drugs. A lot of daily kind of benefits, a lot more left to do. Yeah. But even on student debt cancellation, he uh, has taken it all the way. The, I mean, the Supreme Court, you know, said no, whatever the provisions were. But he found a way around that. Now student debt, there are a lot of students here, especially black students, who are getting their student loans canceled because there was another way he could do this through executive order. So there are a lot of efforts that he's engaged in that need to be completed. So I'm not saying it's going to be— Sewn up. Yeah, yeah, but no, he needs to keep going and and finish the job. And the alternative, okay, so even if you don't— believe that uh, President Biden or Vice President Harris have been a good administration. The alternative, I was sitting on the floor January 6th. I know Donald Trump wants an autocracy and he wants to nail the coffin closed on our democracy, what's left of it. He does not. I like not. that. You, you be adding the little, I, I be seeing the Panther uh, poke out. <laughs> <laughs> our democracy. What's left of it. That's right. I mean, first time a constitutional right has been taken away when they took away our right to reproductive freedom. So come on. Donald Trump is is the Putin of America. I mean, he wants to shut it down and he wants to establish an autocratic government. And it's clear what's happening. I'm the lead plaintiff in the lawsuit put forth by the NAACP to hold him, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers yeah. accountable. It's a tough lawsuit, but we're making it through the courts. That was even before the January 6th committee right. was instituted. So, you know, there, there's a lot going on for me, mm-hmm. but just understand that Donald Trump is not an alternative. You want to say it to the camera? Donald Trump is not an alternative, and Donald Trump can get elected if you don't vote. I don't know why I thought Donald Trump can get was going to go in a different direction like Donald Trump. Okay, let me. I'm, I'm a silly <laughs> what person. What direction? No, I'm a it. ridiculous person. Damn I thought like Donald Trump can get these hands. Like, that's what it sounded <laughs> like you were going. But I knew you weren't going there, but I'm a comic, so my brain goes to these places. No. <laughs> Next question. All right. Are there plans to build a cop city in the state of California? I don't know of the plans to build a cop city in the state of California. If there are plans, let me know. Okay. Okay. That's a, all right. Being unhoused is a crime in all states, but Oregon and Wyoming. Will we also change our laws to decriminalize being poor with a residence? I have fought to uh, decriminalize those who are unsheltered because I believe it's about 60% of people on the streets 
are busted and taken to jail. Yeah. I was unsheltered for a period in my life. Mm-hmm. I know what that is. And people, first of all, need to, need mental health services and need help. They yes. do not need to go to jail. They need to go to safe, clean housing where they can get the type of support services that they need. And I want to do that in the Senate. I, I want to advocate for changing these policies that don't allow police departments to criminalize people who need mental health. All right. I'm not even rebutting. And that's my background. I have my MSW, and I started Community Mental Health Center. I'm not a lawyer. So, Got it. What is a law that is close to having enough citizen groundswell to get enough reps to push it through, but just needs a bit more of a push from the people? Can you think of anything off top? I think Medicare for all. I think our health care system is corrupt, filled with corporate greed. It's an industry. It's based on the profit motive. And I believe that the groundswell around affordable, accessible health care through a system such as Medicare for all can happen if we have a groundswell. In Congress, you have to have co-sponsors. Yeah. And we're building co-sponsors. So that's, once again, up to people and members of Congress district to go into their Members of Congress say sign on to Medicare for All. So for y'all, like, because a lot of people don't understand necessarily like the processes. Mm-hmm. So when you say co-sponsors, you're meaning other representatives. Members of Congress, yeah. Co-sp- yeah. Other members of Congress to sign on to Medicare for All, and we call that co-sponsors. And so what you're speaking about is people calling their representatives and saying, like, I would like you to co-sponsor this bill. And so that's the push. Yeah. And that's the example of inside-outside strategy that I was talking about earlier. I have to tell people, look, if you want to get this passed, I want to help you organize. These are the members you need to get to sign up. Let me just add to that, that as individuals, yes. But if you are a business owner, that's another very key element. You know, we understand that this country is a company. And so small businesses, large businesses, like, end up being a very big part of how a lot of these different politicians move and groove. And so you are a part of the economy and growing the economy, so your voice is exceptionally important in these spaces. It's very important, and I do the legislation on cannabis equity in the cannabis industry, mind you. I was the first one who introduced the Marijuana Justice Act so that we could have the expungement of records based on these awful drug laws that we can invest in communities and people that have been most impacted by it and that we have the equity provisions in this trillion-dollar industry. So just know I do that too, okay? Because the reality is that you have all these brothers that are locked up for weed. And then I keep seeing, like, Haley and Kaylee, you know, with their new weed company. And I'm just like, why? This is—get Hakeem and Laurent out of jail— when Haley and Kaylee can have a whole That's weed right. company based on the reason why they locked up. Again, look at my record. I hate to say it, keep looking at my record, but you <laughs> That's know, what y'all do. experience. Ma- no, Marianne, Marianne I'm, Williamson I'm was like, look at my book. Look no, at no, my book. no. But let me tell you, I'm trying to explain it because you can't believe somebody is going to do something in the future if they, if they don't, have. if you don't know what they've done in the past, okay? You and right. are doing now. And I'm doing the work. <laughs> I feel like you feel compelled to be like, God damn it, Amanda, I'm doing well, it. Well, I do. Like, I mean, <laughs> That's why I wore the suit. So you would take me serious. All right. right, Now, Patreon, we heading over to you. Let's do some special questions for the SEAL squad. I've got questions. They've got answers. And baby, we've got time. 
to get politically pressed. Folks, it's time for us to get politically pressed with Congresswoman Barbara Lee. <clears throat> Congresswoman, what is your job as a U.S. senator? My job as a U.S. senator is to represent you in the United States Senate. W- what does that actually mean? That means champion policies to end homelessness, for affordable housing, for climate change, for making sure that voices of those who haven't been heard in the policy and in the Senate body are represented. Because I have to write legislation and direct money into California. So I want to write the right policies and direct the money into the right communities so that you can have a voice and be empowered to have a better life. Are you a politician or a public servant? Public servant, definitely. What's the difference? The difference is, well, I was a community worker with the Black Panther Party. I learned what being a public servant was, and that's being someone who delivers for people and puts people over politics. All right. What should be the Senate's priority in education? Canceling student debt, fighting against privatizing public education, investing more in our young people, and not banning books, not allowing books to be banned, and developing a curriculum that speaks to all children. What should be the Senate's priority in global policy? Peace. What should be the Senate's priority in Black Americans? Reparations. What should be the Senate's priority for gun control? Ban assault weapons. Almost stuck you right there. (laughs) All right, please, Congresswoman, define the word woke. I suggest look in the Webster Dictionary and you'll see woke described and the definition by Barbara Lee. And that is staying vigilant and fighting for what's right, fighting for justice, and never, ever turning your back and keep at it. Now, these are going to be some quick fire questions. I just need a yes or a no. A yay or actually, no, we're going to do a yay or a nay because that's what they do <laughs> up in the Senate. <laughs> so hit me with a yay or a nay. Is the United States racist? Yay. Should Black Americans receive reparations from the U.S. government? Yay. Can the U.S. afford to forgive student loans? Yay. Is abortion women's health care? Yay. Should gay marriage be legal? Yay. Baby, you have been politically pressed by Amanda Seals. (laughs) The Last Dose. This is not a surprise to you, but folks are wholly disenchanted with the Democratic Party. What, if anything, can you share with us that you feel like we need to know that may shift that disenchantment? People, and and I get it, people are disenchanted with the Democratic Party like I was also when I was. And I have been pushing this Democratic Party to be more progressive and more inclusive and more democratic. So I understand, and I'm a member of the DNC, so I know exactly what people are feeling and, mm-hmm. and talking about. But I do also say you need to get on the inside and push this Democratic Party further to a progressive place that really, and, and I'm I'm 
fight for reparations each and every day. I got the party in California years ago to support reparations, and for Jamal, example. And uh, Jamal Bowman just did a bill, or he just put a bill on the table for reparations. Yeah, and Sheila Jackson Lee, I have one. You know, the Truth Racial Union Transformation Commission. So I think it's important to get the Democratic Party on our side a bit more, push the envelope on issues, because it's a Democratic Party, so everybody's got a whole lot of different ideas, but we have to engage with people who we disagree with. And if you stay out of the Democratic Party, we're subject to get Republicans. So if if you believe in the MAGA extremist Republican agenda, then that's not our agenda. And I understand people being disenchanted, but we got to stay in there and fight and make that Democratic Party more Democratic. And, you know, I'm a progressive Democrat. I helped start the Peace Caucus, the Poverty Caucus, the Progressive Caucus. So, and... I'm just saying, uh, I, mean, I, know, I, would, I, I know exactly what's going on out there. I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning. But I would, I would even go as far as to say that we're coming to a point, and I don't know even if I will live to see it, but where, you know, being progressive is actually not about the Democratic Party. Like, it's the progressive party. I mean, the Democratic Party, for what it's worth, has never really actually been progressive in the way that you are progressive. Like, Mm -hmm. you are an outlier to what the majority of the Democratic Party has been for a lot of people. They have just been not as racist, not as loud about their racism. That's been the bulk. But then you have the outliers, you know, and the individuals who, like yourself, come in from such a unique space and are able to... I don't like the word infiltrate, but are able to move into that space and say like, hey, you know, we over here, we got some things Mm -hmm. that that people really want to get behind. And I think it really is indicative of the fact that there's an awakening that's happening amongst the world in terms of knowledge, but even in terms of knowledge of self that has them looking at the Democratic Party and saying like, wait a minute, y'all ain't really as like for the people, people, as you've been saying. And so I really do hope that people take the time to learn more about you as an individual and what you have done as a public servant slash politician in this space, because what is happening now It's really just happening now. And I think for the first time that I have personally seen, a lot of folks are more invested than ever in what's going to happen next. I agree. And let me tell you, right now, for example, (laughs) I'm a member of DNC. DNC elections are taking place. Run for the DNC. I'm just saying, get, yeah, infiltrated. I mean, that's what I had to do. And I was appointed by President Obama and uh, another president, (laughs) Clinton, to be on the drafting committee. Not forgetting presidents. You know, uh, the saxophone one. No, drafting committee (laughs) of the platform. Yeah. And I help write that platform, and nobody reads it, but you read the platform of the Democratic Party. It's pretty progressive in the Hyde Amendment. Support abortion rights, stuff, stuff that's never been a party platform. Mm-hmm. I was able to negotiate that. And here I was by myself running between, you know, the two candidates, Biden and, and Bernie, and negotiating. But, you know, it's, it's hard work. So I just say, yeah. uh, please help us <laughs> push that party. <laughs> please infiltrate it. All right. <laughs> please get in, in it and run for office and take it over. Any message you want to say directly to the people before we get out of here? Well, I want to thank you for being our voice. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> no, no. Thank you. thank you very much and giving me a chance to be challenged. <laughs> 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 this campaign is challenging. This is very challenging being with you, and I love it. And I really appreciate being here. And next time, I definitely am going to wear pink. All right, now. And I might have my golden doodle to play yes. with Jordy. Yes. <laughs> 